What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 120 of the Game Explain Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and this week I'm joined by John Cartwright. Ash would have been here, except his wife is still asleep, and we had to kind of get recording. So she's we're just going to let her sleep, and uh, she's had a rough week, apparently. So we don't really want to interrupt that. That seems mean. <laughs> and Ash, uh, Andre is h- hanging out with uh, friends that showed up uh, unexpectedly, so that's where he's off to. So, just the two of us this week. Yeah, we're running the ship. Just me and you. <laughs> yep. That sounds about right, right? <laughs> uh, how you been this week, John? Yeah, I've not been too bad. It's it's very similar to last week, where not much has really gone on. <laughs> That's the so, weird thing. It's been so... dead. <laughs> yeah. So, this this week I've, I've more or less spent the week playing Dark Souls. Um... But apart from that, I've not done a great deal. I, I watched Ant-Man and the Wasp last night, oh, nice. and I am incredibly underwhelmed of that. It, it was just such an average movie when nothing really happened. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely, yeah, but, I mean, pardon the pun, but it definitely was a smaller movie. Not as <laughs> huge of stakes or anything like that. But that's, I don't know, after watching so many Marvel movies, I don't mind the lower stakes one. But you're right, that nothing really happened in the grand scheme mm-hmm. um, like spider-man homecoming was a really good movie because it was so low-key but uh ant-man and the wasp was it just felt like nothing you know there, there were some <laughs> plot points in there but in the grand scheme nothing really happened mm-hmm. and um because it, it kind of happens parallel with infinity war 2 which is of course like everything's happening in that movie so in comparison it just feels like like a buzz like nothing's just really going on in that movie Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was still it was fun fluff. But apart from that, I just I have no will to ever watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is really funny to think that Infinity War is going on at the same time as that post credit sequence, and it's like mm-hmm. you think you'd hear about at least New York, but I guess he sees you know Iron Man on the scene, and I, I can kind of see why he wouldn't jump in immediately to do that sort of thing. Um, and it's just. I, I guess it's interesting setup for okay, what's he gonna do uh, in Infinity War two or whatever it ends up being called? Right, yeah. Because there's technically two characters who um, who weren't uh, part of Infinity War who are part of the Marvel universe. So there's Ant Man, and then there's also Captain Marvel, who's getting her own movie in like like three uh, months. I don't. Know, I'm not I, sure I think it's February. Out. I it's think it comes soon. out in February. I think it has the same oh, release date go. as uh, Black Panther. Uh huh. So yeah, I guess I guess those two are gonna have to try and save the day because everyone else is just, just kind of stranded. Um, <laughs> well, some of them are stranded on a planet somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know what's together. really funny? You've completely is forgotten that? about the third superhero that wasn't featured in Event- Infinity War, <laughs> which is Hawkeye. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I can't even remember their, their explanation for why Hawkeye wasn't in Infinity War. Was he just, just with his family? Just busy. Yeah, it was <laughs> just with his family. They didn't want to take him away from his family, type thing. Fair enough. Um, yeah, the same sort of plea deal that uh, that Ant Man got. <laughs> so, mm. eh, I mean, that that's fine. I mean, Infinity War was already so stuffed, and you know, it's 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 fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose some characters in Infinity War weren't really given that much of a role. Like Black Widow, um, I think she kicked a few people, but that was about it. So yeah. I guess it'd be quite hard to fit Hawkeye in there, because he is very similar to her in a lot of ways, where they both just kind of sometimes punch people, 
and he sometimes like throws an arrow at someone, and that's pretty much his entire deal. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he summed it up there. in Age of Ultron. It's just, I'm just a guy with a bow, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just doing my best. <laughs> so, indeed, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Captain Marvel because I, I really like that first trailer they put out. Um, I, I like how they're getting around the whole like. Infinity War thing is going on because this takes place in the 90s. Uh, really interesting to see, you know, young Nick Fury with both eyes mm-hmm. and all that, thanks to the trailer. Uh, so I'm, Yeah, I'm, somehow it doesn't look right. I mean, I, I'm very used to seeing um, Samuel L. Jackson's face, but when he's as Nick Fury with both eyes, for some reason, it's just not right. <laughs> you know he's going to lose an eye in this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably like right at the end of the movie or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think, though, that... Uh, this movie, I didn't realize who the villains were were going to be in Captain Marvel. Once I saw the one scene, I'm like, oh, crap, they're going there. So are you familiar mm-hmm. with the scrolls? Not really. I read up a little bit, but I, I'm not too, I haven't read any, any of the comics with them in. Yeah, this I, I haven't read a lot of comics, but I'm aware of the scrolls. And basically their whole thing is that they can mimic the uh, appearance and powers of whoever they you know, take over. Uh, and not really mm-hmm. take over. They just knock them out, put them aside, and fill in their in, in fill in in their space to uh, seem like they're part of that whole thing. And so there's this whole thing uh, in Marvel uh, called Secret Invasion, where you find out that uh, some of the characters were scrolls and all along for years, and nobody realized it. Uh, because oh, and they've yeah exactly <laughs> so I'm like what do you, so it makes me realize is like what do you do after Thanos then that kind of thing who do you trust <laughs> type thing right. so yeah. I, I, that has some potential it sounds like um, a lot of the main cast are kind of retiring after um, after Avengers four as well because I think mm. Chris Evans um, I think this is his his last role as Captain America so either so. he dies or just retires in some way. Mm-hmm. I, I hope they get. I don't want him to die. I hope they just give him a happy ending. He's been through enough crap. <laughs> Let Steve yeah. Rogers have a good ending. <laughs> yeah, there's a few of the characters that you can replace with other ones too. Like um, Peter Parker can be replaced with any other Spider-Man. I guess you can do a new Captain America as well. So uh, and these guys have been around for a while, especially um, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. So mm-hmm. I, I, I imagine that they'll probably be replaced by other heroes at some point. And they already have such a a large um, portfolio of movies coming up. So at some point, you do kind of have to make cuts. Mm -hmm. Um, But also that that new portfolio of movie also kind of puts me off a little bit because we know that um, they're obviously in a dire state at the end of Infinity War. And it's kind of underwhelming for them, Marvel, to say, oh, here's a new Spider-Man film coming. Like, exactly. No, They've had set photos and all that stuff. And they even got a t- title now where it's Spider-Man Far From Home or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, obviously they're not going to kill Spider-Man because Sony owns the franchise technically and it's one of their biggest franchises in general. But I still don't want to know that a new Spider-Man film's coming yet. Like, it <laughs> exactly. doesn't feel like it's time. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I I really got to make a decision. Like after after Infinity War two is like, do I want to keep watching these Marvel movies? Because it feels like such a natural end to stop at Infinity War Part two. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's really going to be a case by case basis. But I also know it's like, well, I have these A plus rewards. I'm not doing anything else that weekend. Sure, I'll go see the Marvel movie. Why not? Mm Hmm. 
Yeah, cause there are already quite a few Marvel movies that I can say, like, you can skip that one. Like, if we look at, I don't know, like Iron Man 2, you can skip that one. Nothing really happens in that movie. Yeah. So, I guess maybe maybe just stay tuned for the ones that feel like big events, because there definitely are filler movies within the um, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, even Thor 2, which I think that, that introduced one of the Infinity Stones, but that is such a nothing movie as well. Yeah, I mean, even Iron Man two introduced uh, War Machine to the to the to everything. So that's true. Like, even though nothing movies can have that one thing that they introduce, but do you really need to see it in order to understand it? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's not <laughs> like look at how Thanos collected the Infinity Stones in Infinity War. Did it matter where he got the? I don't even know. I don't even know where we picked that one up. I actually no, I know we got it from the Collector. So never mind. Yeah, but still. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I actually saw. I went to see Infinity War with um, my fiance and two friends, and those two friends barely watched any Marvel movies. I think they saw the original Iron Man and the Guardians of the Galaxy, and that was it. So they were fairly. Uh, they didn't really know what was going on in terms of backstory, but they still really enjoyed the movie. So I guess it's still fairly accessible as it is. That's really surprising to hear, honestly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess as long as you know the base characters and what they're about, you're good to go. Um, yeah. One of them is a very big Marvel vs. Capcom 3 player, so I guess that's kind of why uh, he knows the characters so well. But yeah, they, they didn't watch any other movies, really. Huh. All right, then. <laughs> so yeah, you got to play more of uh, a Dark Souls yet again, <laughs> and apparently yet, yet that was again. a. Uh, according to your review, that was just still a really good time. Yeah, it's it's so good. Um, you it, it's one of those games that when you're playing it on a handheld, it, it surprises you that the Switch is still capable of this. Because um, well, today is actually the two year anniversary of the Switch's announcement. Um, oh, when we yeah. first got the debut trailer for it back when it was NX. So it's it's still crazy to me to look down at this tiny system and see a game that was running on the PlayStation 3. Because obviously it's way more powerful than PS3, but we just don't really see games like that that often, of this mm-hmm. ambition. Um, and yeah, Dark Souls is just still really, really good. But there there are a few people in the community who don't necessarily share my opinion about the Switch version. So I've seen a lot of people go on about the audio. Uh, especially in my live stream, I had a couple of commenters just saying, hey... Did you know the audio is terrible? And my answer to that is no, I didn't know the audio is terrible. <laughs> I played through the entire game from start to finish at 100%, and I never picked up on the audio being a downgrade. And I respect that it is to some people, and if it is a, tr- if it is a problem for you, then you can't understate that. That's, that's just what it is. But um, I, as someone who's played Dark Souls a lot, I didn't even notice. And I think that's probably going to be true for most people. Um, but I do think this negativity going around is contagious. So if if someone tells you that it's bad, um, there might be some sort of placebo where you go like, yeah, it is bad. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I I listen to the comparisons, and maybe there is a bit of a downgrade, but it's nothing that I think really interrupts the experience. Like I can still play through Dark Souls on the Switch just fine. Um, so yeah, in, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's really a downgrade. Mm-hmm. And if anything, this is a really good version. Like the the original vanilla version of Dark Souls had a really do- dodgy frame rate, uh, especially in Blight Town, where it was just basically so framey. Um, but on Switch, it's really consistent. So yeah, you know these audio problems may be an issue for you, and if they are, that's fine. But I I just think this is one of the better ports out there, and it's just it's still such a great game. So yeah, highly recommend. Mm. Yeah, it's just a shame that. 
Bandai Namco seems to have killed all interest in it because, mm. you know, this felt like such a big release for the Switch, but coming out, what, it came out in May for every other system. And so June, right. July, August, September, October, five months later, yeah, the interest is kind of dried up, especially in my case, I've as I mentioned before, we got a collection coming out. I'm mm. sorry, I'm going to go for the collection instead. <laughs> Yeah, they have done everything they can to damage this game. Uh, I, I I don't get it. You know, it's we played we played the demo multiple times too. Like I think you played it at PAX one time. Um, I played it at Nintendo Versus. The demo was absolutely fine. Um, so I don't know what made the delay go on for so long. It's just very confusing because it felt fine. And if they had released it back in May with the other versions, then I think people would. Would have been really excited for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, it might even been the best-selling version because really no one was that excited for the PlayStation Four and Xbox One remaster because what it was there was just a game that was a bit more HD and the higher frame rates, mm-hmm. um, and they didn't sell very well. So I have a feeling that's going to happen on Switch again as well. Um, but hopefully that won't damage Bandai Namco's like image of the Switch because the other versions didn't sell well either. Mm-hmm. So they're probably thinking like it's just the game. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll see, like, other games that they put out there are, are doing quite well. Like, I have a feeling for, uh, I have a feeling that, uh, like, the My Hero game uh, is going to do pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 did extremely well. Yeah, and Fighters, I'm sure Fighters did pretty well. Uh, it holds mm-hmm. up pretty well. The only thing I can tell from dif- uh, difference-wise, as far as uh, for, for that version, is uh, it does it. The load times seem a little bit longer. But once you get in, yeah, there might be a little bit of uh, drop in quality to the background detail, but the character sprites still look amazing. Yeah, so, and that game's art style is just beautiful too. So mm-hmm. yeah, to have it on the Switch is just crazy. And you know, unlike Dark Souls, that's a PlayStation Four game. Oh so, yeah. It's, it's yeah, you know, like we have we have other PS4 games on Switch like Wolfenstein and Doom, but those obviously take massive hits. Whereas Fighters um, just looks like Fighters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not as much. So yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm not sure I'll pick it up right away. Honestly, the next game I think I might pick up is Soul Calibur Six because I've heard a lot of good things, and I'm just, I'm getting like it's been I haven't really fully played a Soul Calibur game since 2. I played a little bit mm-hmm. of 3, but I kind of dropped out of it pretty quickly. It just never really clicked with me. And I'm liking that I, I, I like that I'm hearing a lot of, that there's a lot of good single-player content within Soul Calibur 6, which I know it's weird for uh, for me as a, you know, like for fighting games and all that, but I like my single-player content in fighting games, even when it's, even in Smash. I like That's like the single-player content and in Wii U kind of sucked. <laughs> That's why I didn't play it too much. But you give me a lot of single-player content for me to sink my teeth into and want me to continually go through, I'm all in. And Soul Calibur Six seems to have that. Yeah, I really like fighters with single-player content too. I think it makes the fighter seem more ambitious. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at... Um, uh, what was it? Infamous... No, um, oh, what's, what's that DC fighter called? Um, oh, um, oh... Injustice. Injustice, that's it. Like, if you look at the latest Injustice, that had quite a deep story. And um, while I wasn't too invested in the combat, I, I still played it just to have the story elements. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it wasn't like the best story ever, but no. it still felt pretty... You know, it kept me motivated to keep playing. And um, I, I've, I'm just editing the uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee under the Super Scope as well. And I do touch on the single-player portion in there as well. 
Um, adventure mode in that game's interesting, because it, it kind of hints towards maybe like a bigger adventure mode, because there's like four stages, which are actual levels. Hmm. But the majority of it is just padded out with fights. But in there, you have like a, a Super Mario Brothers stage, you have an F-Zero stage where you're running across the track, um, you have that, that Zelda dungeon stage, and I think all that stuff is really ambitious, just they didn't really go far enough. Um, and so when you have that kind of stuff in the fighter, I just think it, it, it keeps you a bit more invested. Mm -hmm. And it's also a great way to learn the fighter too, because in, in a lot of fighters, to learn the systems, you just have to go in training mode or just play it a lot yeah Whereas, and it's like, either it's either boring to me to or to i get my butt kicked <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so and that neither of them really encourages me to play but if i have a single player contact that i can get interested and good at like that's why i was into blaze blue at the time because i got invested in the story mode and seeing all the crazy crap that happened and all the twists and turns and whatnot that carried me through two games before i was like uh, there's too many variations on this i'm i'm, I'm I'm lost and I don't have time. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, with Soul Calibur 6, um, like one of the best things about fighters is the characters. And Soul Calibur, Soul Calibur has a great lineup of characters. And when you can let me learn more about them, get their backstories and stuff, because here's the thing I really don't know the backstory of a lot of Soul Calibur characters. <laughs> all I know is they're all after the swords <laughs> mm -hmm. in one way or another. Yeah, I'm one of those guys who bought Soul Calibur 2 just for Link, yeah. so I spent a long time um, playing as him and no one else, so it took me a while to delve into the rest of the roster, but once you get invested, this is probably one of the best fighter casts out there. I mm -hmm. really love the Soul Calibur, Soul Calibur cast, um, but like you, I think I played Soul Calibur 4 uh, after that, but then just kind of fell off with the series for some reason, but mm. you know, I played um, Soul Blade, the first Soul Calibur... They're all great games. They're all really solid. So I'm actually kind of uh, interested in this new one too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hope to pick it up and check it out a little bit. But the funny, you know, of course, I'll always complain about not having enough time to play anything. But mm -hmm. sometimes you just got to go for it. <laughs> I got to find yeah. time eventually. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, especially when I know that out. I have friends that are interested in playing it as well. So that that kind of encourages me. Right. Nintendo sent out some emails this morning which show you um, how many hours you've played the Switch for this year. Oh, wow. And I think I missed yeah, that. Yeah, I think mine was 220. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and I'm not entirely sure what that what that makes up of. So I, I know I've played Mario Tennis Aces for like 48 hours or something stupid like that. But I played Dragon Quest Builders a lot this year, and mm. I've played... Um, Xenoblade Tourner, but I have no idea what makes up like the rest of the 100 hours. Yeah, I'm trying to find out uh, if I can see that where like how much I had, and I I don't see any kind of email uh, like that. I think so it I was it's it. the most recent newsletter. When you scroll down like half the way, oh, it, okay. it just shows you it says like your most played title, and then how long you've played the Switch for for the year. Okay, here we go. October newsletter. Let me scroll all the way down. Oh, here we go. Here's some fun Nintendo Switch stats about you. Uh, I played 145 hours in the past 90 days. My most played mm. game this year is Octopath Traveler. That's not a surprise at all. Nope. 98% <laughs> um, percentile of your top game hours among, uh, against other players. 98% huh. percentile of your top game hours against other players. Okay, that's interesting. So that's like a, only 2% have played more than that. Apparently. so, And you've played even more than me, so hey, you're part of the 2%. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> Jeez. That's really interesting, actually. I'm actually kind of glad they showed that. I am not surprised it was Octopath Traveler, though. Oh, no, no way, yeah. 
Um, uh, it's going to get yeah, beaten Andre's by for some now. reason says Splatoon 2, and he hasn't played that much Splatoon 2, so I have no, no idea how that figures up there. That's odd. Hmm. Yeah. Don't quite get that one. Uh, otherwise, yeah. I played a bit of Starlink with uh, at the same time as Andre using that game share thing, and uh, I pretty much agree with his review. I don't really have a whole lot more to talk about. I haven't actually finished the game yet. Uh, I just got to the open, uh, the really open part where you're defending plants and whatnot, and it it gets so old. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, like it's I, interesting. I, kind at of, first, I, I feel but... that with a lot of Ubisoft's open world games, like Assassin's Creed and Far Cry and uh, and Watch Dogs. A lot of them have, like, they, they have a couple of missions, and they tend to repeat those missions under different contexts. Mm-hmm. So it feels like you're kind of doing the same thing again and again, and Starlink seems to sort of follow that that um, that play style, too. And I think the thing that bugs me most, though, is a lot of people are treating this like a Star Fox game. And it's not. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, even in some reviews, some people sort of address it as a Star Fox game. And yeah, Fox is in it, and you're in space, but that's not all that makes up Star Fox. <laughs> I mean, as Andre said, it's mo- it's honestly more like a third-person shooter where you're, in a- where you're in a ship the entire time. You can jump, you can strafe, you have you know different weapons that you can use, but as far as the space shooting, no. <laughs> it's a chaotic mm-hmm. mess. And uh, it does not feel like Star Fox whatever, uh, whatso- uh, whatsoever. I mean, you have Fox in it. You have the dialogue between them. It'd be cool to see Nintendo try something a little bit, a little more along these lines as far as, you know, doing something with Fox and uh, changing up the missions or whatnot. But you're doing the same stuff for everybody, and it gets old so quick. <laughs> like, uh-huh. the first time you do something, it is awesome. And then you do it. You know, three, five, six more times, and you're just like, "Oh, okay, here we go again." <laughs> mm-hmm. I have I have seen people in the past say they want like an open world Star Fox game, and I guess this is as close as we get because I, I just don't think Star Fox works in an open environment. Like, the, the whole point of Star Fox is these controlled on rail sections, and when you take that away, I'm not sure what you have. Mm. Yeah, it's just. Really, that's all you need. Just give us give us a Star Fox game with more crazy scenarios to go through and enemies to fight. I think you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andre was tweeting about Star Fox Zero earlier, and I, I agree with him. I think Star Fox Zero is a great game uh, as a basis. It's just it's just really underwhelming though. It, 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 the, the, I like the controls. I like how the, the game is fun still, but them retelling the same story again. Um, uh, it, and under sort of the same circumstances too, it just felt very safe, and mm-hmm. that is not what Star Fox needs. Star Fox needs something daring. Um, like even just just go to a different part of the galaxy and with different characters and tell a different story. Mm-hmm. I think that might be enough to make Star Fox feel fresh. But I don't really know how you sell Star Fox though, because it feels like that style of game uh, has had its time almost. Um, I don't know how Star Fox is going to be a million seller again. I don't know how you do that. No, I, I couldn't honestly tell you unless you, I, I don't know, do something like maybe Fox gets separated from the rest of the team and has to put together a news team, Star Fox, while also looking for his teammates and exploring all these different planets and systems and whatnot. And I, I don't know, just have Fox go like work on it, like make it feel completely different in the beginning and get the familiarity as you get closer to home kind of like tropical freeze where you see all the uh. levels from uh country returns uh and then you know finally have the you know like okay we're back ah crap 
uh, um, I'm blanking on his name, uh, Andros, is actually taking over uh-huh. the entire galaxy. Now we have to f- get it away from him. But, hey, I have this new, bigger team now. And that might even be a new way to introduce uh, Crystal if they if they if they want to follow the Star Fox Zero canon and not include uh, Star Fox Adventures. I don't know. I think that'd be uh, kind of cool. A little bit longer too, as, as you're changing things up, and each pilot has their own sort of advantages for each one. But but that gets you replay value. Mm-hmm. I think I'd, I'd really like that actually. My, my problem with a lot of Star Fox games is when they they try to introduce new characters. And I think you're just so attached to the current crew that you don't really want to give time to them. Mm-hmm. So if if they like forced you to be separate from the other characters in the cast, that might be a good way of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they could yeah, also as, go as say, the Sonic the Hedgehog sorry. route. It's like we gotta team up with oh, man. I gotta team up with Wolf. It's the only way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Though I really want Wolf to be a villain now after his Starlink appearance. True. He's just so good. His voice actor has like so much range. Mm. Ah. Man, I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I decided to, like, after playing Mega Man 11, I decided to go back and finish off the the classic Legacy Collection. Uh, I f- mm. finished off 7. A uh, little bit of an underrated game. I st- still think it's fun. I think that the Mega Buster charge uh, speed is way too slow in that game. Um, Mega Man 8 is actually kind of becomes one of my favorites. That became one of my favorites. It is so freaking gorgeous on the PS1. The sprite work is so expressive. It is incredible, but that stupid those stupid board sections. I I thought I'd have an easier time this time, but no, I'm just dying again and again and again. And I I eventually did it. The rest of the game is not hard at all, but those stupid board sections just really take away from the game and kind of prevent me from fully recommending it. It's 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 a real shame. Hmm. It's been a while since I've played Mega Man 8, but yeah, the, the visuals are what I remember most. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, yeah, I, I do like that game. It's just I don't find the levels all that memorable. I can't really think back to them that well. But yeah. I do remember being frus- very frustrated by the board levels. That they're just, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that's another thing. The, the music doesn't stick out to me. The levels, they stick with you for a little bit, then you'll forget about them after a while. But that's mm-hmm. you know, maybe anything else. Uh, I'm currently working through nine. I just have one uh, one robot master to go, and boy, it's weird having levels so short <laughs> again. Yeah, like they are so short, but they're they are stupid tough in a lot of cases. Like, yeah. um, I, what was the, there was the one level? Uh, I forget whose level it was, but you had to like it's that part where you have to swing things back and forth and avoid the spikes. Oh, I know the one. I yeah. can't remember the Rebel Master, but I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I just kept having trouble with this one section for it. I just I, eventually I got a, a spike protector and I got um, beat because uh, there was this one jump that I knew I was going to mess up, and sure enough, I hit the spikes and fell into the pit. But mm. uh, thanks, I had, the fact that I had beat, I was able to get up, get to the next ledge, and move on. I was like, okay, finally, <laughs> you know. Uh huh. So. I'm not sure what's changed, but when Nine came out, uh, I thought it was my favorite Mega Man game, mm-hmm. and for a while I thought that too. But as time's gone on, I don't know. I don't really consider it that anymore. I think, yeah, I, I think two and three are my favorites at the moment. But Nine is Nine's a really good game, and mm-hmm. mm, I don't, I'm not sure why I don't really consider it the best anymore. <clears throat> I guess maybe it's a bit redundant at times. Like it, I, when, when the series going forward, I I want it to go forward, you know, and mm-hmm. this sort of reverts back. Um, to Mega Man 2, 
where I, I, I like the charge shot. I like the slide. And mm-hmm. uh, to lose them doesn't really feel like you're gaining anything. Exactly. There's nothing good to replace it. You have an amazing set of Robot Master powers, but guess what? So does Mega Man 11. In fact, I'd say the Robot Master powers in 11 is, are still better than, than 9. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just one of those weird things because it does feel like such a step back as far as your abilities. And that's just that's, a, that's so unfortunate. And I, I, I'm, I'm curious once I finally do uh, finish up with 10 and finish the classic series, I, I want, do want to do a ranking on uh, my Twitter. It's just like, okay, thinking about it, here's how I'd rank the games and go from, the, go from there. Mm-hmm. So. It'd be interesting to do like an official game explain like top ten Mega Man games because I'm I'm pretty sure Ash would have some uh, some passionate opinions there. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's a crazy man who thinks five is the best. So, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we really trust him as a Mega Man fan? I don't know. That's true. I think he's faking it. He's never played Mega Man in his life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Forget those streams he did a few years ago. <laughs> All right. Well, you want to go ahead and just move on to the news topics for this week? I suppose so. Yeah. I, well, first one off the bat is I feel so bad about this because I was skipping around our news topics last week and I completely missed it, even though it's a pretty big thing. Uh, and that's that Sony has confirmed that you will be able to change your PSN na- uh, names uh, and they're coming to the PS4. The first time you change it is free, but after that it will roughly it will cost roughly uh, 12 bucks uh, for non-PS Plus members and 6 bucks for PS Plus members. So I can finally get rid of my uh, old name. I haven't done it yet. I really should do that. <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't taken, uh, taken the steps. I just haven't had the time to sit down and play PlayStation 4. But... Mm-hmm. Um, Finally, although it's a little weird that after the first time you had to pay for it, but I guess be really sure about what you want to call yourself next time. Yeah, it is weird because um, Xbox do it too. Like you, you have to charge to change your name, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't get it. I think changing your name seems to be a big issue of PSN because even with this name change, it doesn't carry over to every single game. Um, there's there's a notice that says uh, in older titles and titles not supported, your old name will still appear. So your so your name is changed across the board, but is not in some games. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's something going on that I just don't understand, and it seems so odd. But sure, mm. why not? <laughs> At least I can get yeah. rid of my name, if somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you going to change your name to? Oh, just the probably just the usual. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I mean, it's 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 kind of boring, but it also kind of works for me. Uh, mm. just cause for some reason, like, um, if you don't know my name, BitNerd is, is, is totally a legit gaming name. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so eh, it kind of works out, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I really, it's a funny thing is that not much else to say other than, yay, I can change my name. <laughs> yeah. It's something that people have been asking for ever since PSN became a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been a very long requested ability. And now it's here. You, you just kind of go like, yeah. Like that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, finally... It's, 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 it's an expectation, isn't it? Like we've yeah. Been, we've been expecting it for so long. So to finally have it, 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 just, it just feels normal, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, it's like... It, it also highlights time. how baffling it was that they never had it in the first place. Yeah, it is very odd. Especially since at that point you wouldn't have to worry about uh, old games not supporting this change. I'm sure they would have been able to right. figure something out or something to that degree. I don't know. 
Yeah, I can only imagine it was like a coding disaster. Like someone, someone has been working on this for like ten years, oh, trying to God. figure out how you change a name, and they 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 kind of managed it because it doesn't change in all games. So somehow it's it's probably like so deeply encoded in, into their network for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't it's know almost like they were like good enough there. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Ship it. <laughs> Oh goodness! Well, another interesting thing, just from developing side, developer side of things, uh, is there is an interview with uh, the uh, Monolith Soft boss uh, about uh, the success of Xenoblade Chronicles Two. I believe it was done by US Gamer, and uh, in it they asked about a possibility of a Xenoblade Chronicles X port for the Nintendo Switch, and the uh, the producer uh, i'm blanking on who actually did this i should probably look at uh, who that actually is um oh yeah tatsuya takahashi i'm apologize for that but he wants it to happen but it's a matter of money (laughs) he don't doesn't know if they have enough money to really do it because understandably a lot would have to be changed and up you know taken care of in order to get x onto the switch so it's a matter of whether or not they'd want to put out that effort and actually get rewarded for it because I people might be interested but it's also a very different game than 2 so I'm not sure yeah I, I also feel like it's a different climate climate now that we've had 2 because 2 sold um, was it like 2 million copies or something crazy like that mm-hmm. yeah it so, was nuts yeah in the past the series hasn't performed that well but maybe this is a new standard um and you know we we have we have so many Wii U games on Switch at the moment. Like you could, the vast majority of Switches must have games are sorry of Wii U's must have games are now on Switch. <laughs> yep. And I I gotta imagine it's probably not too expensive to port them. I mean I'm I'm just guessing here, but um, it's already in HD. These the hardware isn't that well. The hardware is different, but they're they're similar in in uh, in their capacity. So. I, to put X on Switch, I wouldn't think it would be that much of an undertaking, but I am talking with no experience here, so maybe yeah. it is. Like, I know there's the um, whole, like, gamepad aspect. Like, you did have the whole gamepad as far as popping things down on various uh, hexagons or that, that were mm-hmm. spread around, and I can't imagine that's too hard to just put into another menu, but I don't know. I just would mm-hmm. like to experience X again on the Switch. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be a great game for portable play too, because it was basically a big open world, and I can just imagine like just doing side quests on like a, on, like a commute to work or something like that. It just feels like a great like pick up and play game. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'd love X on the Switch, and I'd love X to have more fans in general. Uh, it really is a great game. It's very different to one and two, but those differences kind of set it apart in a great way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hopefully more people get to play it. It's a. I always describe it as one and two are more story based. Uh, X is more character based. Mm-hmm. Like you don't. There's not. The overarching story is you know interesting. It, it definitely engaged me, but you. It's not exactly deep or anything like that. But when you learn more about the characters and you use all the different characters that you can have on your sides and do their side missions, that's when I got really engaged and interested in what was going on and really did be- encourage me to uh, explore and do everything for New Los Angeles and see how the game just evolved. And I, I that's why I became so addicted to it. Uh, it, w- it really was just one of my favorite games at the time. or my, mm-hmm. It is my favorite Wii, a Wii U game, I should say. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, it's it's in my I say it's in my top three for Wii U games. I think Tropical Freeze is probably number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know what I don't know what what the other ones would be really. Mario Maker I think is incredibly smart, but I wouldn't say it's my favorite Wii U game. Um, so yeah, Xenoblade X is probably up there too. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, if they can't get this over here, somebody do get as we said before, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. <laughs> get mm-hmm. that over. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, I do think I do think X is more likely than porting the first game because the first game you have to remaster it with new textures, uh, make it 1080p. There's there's a lot of work going on there. Mm-hmm. Whereas X is already in HD, so that's that's already less work. Mm-hmm. Although a full on remaster of the original on the Switch would be freaking amazing. Oh, that'd be- That'd be amazing. <laughs> so good. <laughs> uh, if only. <laughs> well, uh, continuing on, we have a bit of Pokemon news. Uh, first up is uh, the Switch, the Pokemon Switch game uh, Gen 8, uh, for what we assume uh, next year, uh, will allow you to transfer transfer and use Pokemon from older generations uh, in, in them, which makes sense. I mean, it's kind of a big thing that you'd be able to do. And, uh, you know, we there is the Pokemon Bank, so we'll probably introduce that on the Switch. So everything before you can get onto Gen 8, and that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it makes sense that Let's Go is skipping bank support, but because mm-hmm. um, that, that game's just Gen 1. So it's great to hear that Bank will actually have Switch support, because I, I was kind of doubting it at one point. Um, but, yeah, I guess my only concern is will hacked Pokemon then carry over to the Switch. Because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure people have hacked Pokemon on Bank. Oh, yeah. No mm. doubt. Uh, I'm not sure how they managed. I don't know what they would do about that at all. Um, but Because here's the thing. People are just going to hack their Pokemon again, let's be honest. And a lot of yeah. time, I think a lot of time the hacking is just to make the training a lot easier and less grindy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. It's, it's just when you're like when you're interacting with people who don't hack, it, it's it kind of it takes something away from the game. I think when mm-hmm. you go online and you look at all these Pokemon that you can trade, and there's like thousands of level one hundred Pokemon, like even just like the most most simple Pokemon is level one hundred. It's mm-hmm. like this is clearly hacked. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or somebody has no life. One of the two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder if they'll allow you to transfer Pokemon from Let's Go to this one. I kind of doubt it, but maybe it's hard to say. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it depends on how the systems work. Because in, in Let's Go, you have like you have candy as well, so mm-hmm. maybe they're trained differently. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's still there's lots also, of there's unknowns no in there. abilities in this game as, as well, so... True. Very odd. Yeah. I'd like them to, because, you know, we will be spending a long time with Let's Go, so it'd be nice for these Pokemon to not be stuck mm. there, but I guess, you know, if Let's Go is a different series, then the compatibility will always be with um, Pokemon Go, so maybe that's that's just where it ends. Yeah. Like Bank is, you know, Bank is the mainline RPGs, and Go is for Let's Go. Yeah, and, you know, future Let's Go games, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, they did say that if Let's Go is a success, they'll definitely continue it. And I, as much as people are down on it and or the unsure, I do think people are going to be picking it up. Like the curiosity oh, yeah. is just enough, and especially for people who originally played the, uh, you know, the, the Red and Blue, they'll definitely want to be interested. And I think there's just enough interest in it. Like if, if as long as it gets some pretty decent reviews, people are like, all right, I'll give it a shot. I think this is going to sell crazy well. Like, probably one of the best spin-offs in recent years. Uh, 
as you said, it's it's a Gen One remake. In you know, it, there, there are new aspects to it, but this is a Gen One remake, and that is going to excite a lot of people. So maybe maybe part of the internet isn't entirely right here. I think this game's gonna just going to sell like crazy amounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it, internet can be wrong about things. They take a they don't take into account the casual aspect, and I right. can imagine Go players really getting into this one. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see. But speaking of Go, uh, Gen Four uh, and Sino, Gen Four or, or otherwise Sinnoh Pokemon have arrived in Pokemon Go. They said it would be coming, Hooray. and it's finally happened. And there's not a lot of variety yet. <laughs> there's, um, I believe, we have uh, the starters. We have Bidoof. We have Starly. We have uh, Baneary. Uh, I think I've seen uh, Shinx. Uh, some people get that, but I think it's only available in raids right now, level 1 raids. Uh, certain sections have Carnivine, and I believe Canada has Pachirisu. And that's it. <laughs> that's... All oh, the Pokemon wow. available right now. So two are kind of region exclusive. Um, mm. And the others are just super common. Like I already uh, have almost all the those Pokemon at least have, having one evolution. And I know a couple people on, uh, on my Twitter have already gotten the final full evolutions of the starters. So Oh, nice. Yeah, it, it's really cool. Yeah. I, I went out for a little walk the other day to um, find some Gen 4 Pokemon. And I found the starters within, like, five minutes of each other. Like, mm-hmm. all of them. <laughs> they're, they're all just, like, on the same road. And at, at one point, I was surrounded by... Um, there was Piplup and... Uh, who's the fire starter? Oh, um, Chimchar. Chimchar, yeah. So they're, they're both on the same on the screen at the same time. So they were very easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to taking part in the community day tomorrow. Uh, which mm-hmm. uh, is all focused on Beldum, so he'll show up f- pretty commonly for three hours. But the other thing that's really cool uh, is you get four times your walking, so for every kilometer you walk, it actually counts for four kilometers, which will be really nice for hatching eggs. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it, it's funny. Like I, I saw a comment on uh, me doing an update for, hey, Gen 4 is now available in Pokemon Go. It's like funny how Derek, this only, we, Game Explain only started doing uh, updates on Pokemon Go once Derek got back into it. And yeah, you're right. It's because before <laughs> I did not care. But it, the game has improved quite a bit since it originally came. Not perfect. Battles still suck. But otherwise, like, I, the addiction is there. Mm hmm. It does just actually enough. on that on that point. I guess it is kind of tricky to do updates on games when you don't care about them. Like mm-hmm. It's uh, you still have to like when you do care about a game. It's very natural just to like re- like skim over some like a PR notice and then put a uh, an update together. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you don't care about the game so much, you have to do a bit more research than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to learn about it. And like I do, I for a while I did Pokemon Go updates after I had stopped playing, and I'd always end up like. Well, if people are still playing this, uh, there you go. <laughs> and, it's, and I didn't realize fully that, no, people was kind of stuck with this game, and it's still huge, just not as huge as it first began. But even then, it's still coming back. So I think they they found this level, like the, the, these community days, these field missions that just works, and getting people engaged and willing to continue all this, stu- uh, all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, like I am quite close to finishing off the Kanto Pokedex. Um, I have a couple evolutions to do, um, but the three big ones that I need are uh, uh, Articuno, Zapdos, and Aerodactyl. 
Okay, so, so w- when we go to Let's Go, you can get those pretty much instantly in that game anyway. Yep, exactly. So you'll, you'll be finishing the decks in no time. Yeah, I'm actually excited about that. Plus, we know how to do Meltan now, so I should have... As long as I can get a hold of one of those Pokeball Pluses, I should have a complete 152 or 54 decks, <laughs> thanks to Meltan <laughs> and his likely evolution, it seems. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, what if he evolves you know. again, though? What's that? <laughs> what if he evolves again? Though? Oh what man, if there's like three Meltan. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but um, well, uh, last bit of news we have this week is. Uh, <laughs> definitely blown up, that's for sure. So I thought we'd comment on it. So Rockstar mm. is currently under fire for their working di- conditions and crunch time because I believe their creative director bragged about how they were putting in 100 hours a week. Um, And right. it, it made people go like, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> that is it's a very strange thing to brag about. That is... It's it's basically uh, bragging that you are slaving your workers, and it's yeah. so odd. Um, and I I was on the bench for Red Dead anyway. I wasn't too invested. I was that I was that sort of person who was thinking about picking it up maybe in the future, but now I I'm just off. I, I'm not buying this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know they they've opened up so employees can speak out, and some are saying that no, this is, was not the case, and others like yeah, it was the case. So it seems to be a uh, case by case uh, situation for each department. Like some departments worked a ton, other departments did not. Um, mm. And look, I know it's a big game, but we've waited how long for it? And you know, it, it's it's kind of discouraging to see publishers treat their developers as, as almost disposable. Like right. We'll just wear them out and move on and I think eventually like they're they're building off passion and that's the thing about this industry there's a lot of people with a lot of passion for making these games and they get those dream jobs and they feel like they got to stick with it and it just burns them out and that's the sad thing and that's the thing is like we why you do want to encourage them to hey maybe treat your workers right so we can keep getting these good games you don't want to have these amazing developers just like no I'm done I can't I can't handle it anymore Mm-hmm. And I feel like allowing them to speak out is damage control because mm-hmm. they they are still employed. This is their career. They're not going to be negative. Like if, if you can say they're allowed to talk, but they're not going to negatively bash the company they work for in an industry they work in because that's just going to cut off a lot of ends for them. Like They might even expect to have a call to get into the office in the morning because of what they said on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like, you, can, you can say you're allowed to say what you like. But it's still implied that you should not say <laughs> what you like. Yeah, exactly. You can still get in a lot of trouble for that, and you kind of want to watch your mouth. And I know I would probably do the same thing, because I don't want to lose my job. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, I'm doing all this time, but I need this job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very discouraging, because this happens a lot. Um, crunch is an industry issue, and uh, companies like CD Projekt Red and... Um, and Naughty Dog, they're very famous for it too. They mm-hmm. they are intense crunches, and it is it feels like people in the game industry should unite, um, uni- sorry, unionize because it's just mm-hmm. such a, a problem. Uh, this this is really an issue. Games um, because obviously they publishers push them to meet certain budgets and deadlines, um, so people then have to work overtime. And you know, Rockstar has said it's optional and no one is forced to work overtime, but 
it's it's still in in a way they are kind of being forced because mm-hmm. you can say like oh you're not being forced to but it would look good for your career if you did and so and as you said people are kind of disposable at least they're seen that way so if you don't if you're not one of the people who work 100 hours and do that overtime then your job security is kind of in risk mm-hmm. yep and it's it's a shame because like there's a lot of really talented people out there and like publishers say well we need to meet this time we need to do it this point and they spend they 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 work so hard to try to reach that point and it's it's tough it really is Mm -hmm. yep it really it really is tough um yeah there's there's a lot of studios who don't crunch but that that, that's obviously that's not something that's going to make a news story so it's the negative Mm -hmm. stuff that does and so i don't know how you fix this like as I said, like unionize, that's that's a way of doing it. Mm-hmm. But um, that's that's still going to be very tough to do to stand up to these big publishers because Rockstar are insanely rich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, they made all the people... money off of Grand Theft Auto Online. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they 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 can sit on one game for years, and that's fine for them at least. Mm-hmm. But for their actual employees, um, yeah, they, they go into this industry for their dream job that they want to be working on a game like Red Dead. And there are some tweets out there, like positive ones, saying like, oh, I only, I only work 40 hours a week and I love it here. But there's other people in different departments who do not. Mm-hmm. So clearly people in different places are treated differently. Yeah. Um, and I suppose it's also a job where you can't just like swap shifts because you're working on a very specific task that other people might not understand if they pick it up like halfway. So uh, it's, it's such a tricky situation. But what, I mean... You should just say to them, delay the game if it's not ready, but that's not going to happen because they're just going to lose so much money doing that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Rockstar is not exactly winning any favors because did you hear about the story about them not sending Red Dead to small mom-and-pop stores? Right, yeah. So Yeah, they, um, there, there is someone out there who got a copy recently. I'm not sure how they got it. Um, but, yeah, Rockstar basically... I think that, that was the try and stop leaks from happening from people, like, getting early copies. Mm. But it, it's it's just... it's there's There should be a better way, you know? That's... And they, they're going to sell their game anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's like they're not supporting anyone here. Yeah, exactly. They're just... They, it's like they... They know they have a hit on their hands. It's just, it's like, whatever, we're going to make all the money anyway. It's That's, that's really mm. the attitude that comes across. Yeah, it, it puts Rockstar in a very negative image in my mind. Mm. Um, and it wasn't always that high anyway. I mean, <laughs> um, Rockstar, do, they, they make great games, obviously. Mm. And Red Dead Redemption 1 is a brilliant game, one of the best of the last generation. But I just have very little interest in 2 now. Yeah, and I, I, it's a shame too because I, I didn't have a lot of interest going into Red Dead Redemption Two anyway, which was weird for me because, Red, the original Red Dead Redemption was the only Rockstar game I've ever beaten. <laughs> like I've never bothered to complete any of the Grand Theft Autos or any of the other games they put out. It just never really connected with me that I got, I got bored with the open world and I just stopped playing after a while. And mm-hmm. Red Dead Redemption was able to actually hook me in with the story and wanted me to keep going and seeing what happens and I really invested. So it's a shame that I just they were so secretive with you know the the uh, what was coming out. I just sort of lost interest. It's like oh yeah, Red Dead Redemption Two is going to be a thing. I know nothing about mm-hmm. it, and you're not telling me enough, so I don't care. Right. Yeah. There's there's a very hyped community for it, and. Um, I- 
maybe maybe it's just different fan bases, but mm. I'm not really feeling the hype either. Yeah, I can I definitely could tell see like this being a huge, huge game though. This is no doubt it's gonna be one of the biggest games of the year. Year. Absolutely. Mm. But we'll see how it all turns out. Um Yeah, it's 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 an odd thing and I mean, it, it's it's such a... You don't hear about Nintendo doing crunch too often. I wouldn't be too surprised if Nintendo does have crunch. But there's also mm-hmm. a sense that they cared for their employees at one point. Uh, who knows now? But, you know, the whole fact right. when Wii U was not doing well, and rather than lose their employees, Iwata did take that pay cut. Can you imagine... I think Nintendo have gotten better. Um, they... In the past, they did. Um, Super Smash Bros. Melee is a famous example of crunch. Mm. That game was made in 13 months. Um, <laughs> and Sakurai pushed himself very hard. That, that, that might have been self-inflicted from him. Um, but still, that that is crazy to make a game that quickly. Mm-hmm. And then uh, games like Kid Icarus, the original NES game, uh, they were made insanely fast too. So, yeah, I think Nintendo did do it a lot in the past, but you don't really hear about it very often nowadays. Mm-hmm. And um, it feels like Nintendo games spend a long time in the oven too. So maybe they maybe they just have better like project management because that's really all it comes down to. Like if you mm. if you if you give yourself a long schedule and enough time that you need to make the game, then that's fine. It's when you it's when you dedicate yourself to a release date too early. That's when you start crunching. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'm sorry. There's certain details like as many many people bring this up, but it's it is a it. <laughs> It is a good example. That's why it gets brought up so much. Rockstar was uh, bragging about the fact that they have realistic testicles on the horses that sway as you walk. It's like, wonderful. That's great. Do you really need that detail? Does that add anything to the game? I mean, yeah, there might be a bit more immersion, but I was pretty immersed in the original, and I didn't have any horse testicles to worry about there. So, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely there's definitely cuts they could have made at the expense of l- allowing someone to go home and see their family. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a hostage situation. Like, oh, you can't go home until you've animated these horse testicles. <laughs> exactly. What, what a weird game. Yeah, exactly. It's like, honey, I'd love to come home to you, but these these testicles are just not going to sway themselves. Like, somebody has to do it. <laughs> Indeed. Oh goodness! Well, on that note, let's go. On ahead. that note, yeah, let's go ahead and move on to our Patreon topics this week. And uh, as always, you guys can support us on Patreon for just one dollar a month. Get these uh, podcasts three days early every Friday. Usually, we're a bit off and on. It's a crazy time of year, so forgive us. <laughs> um, as well as uh, get a, get uh, be able to ask these questions and access to our VIP room in our Discord. So, uh, John, I think I'm going to start this week, this time with uh, Gentleman Gamer, who says, Hey, Game Explain, you often mention in your talks that other than games you're reviewing, you don't always have time to get around to the games while they're still re- uh, recent and relevant. Uh, you, Ash, for example, are only getting around to Xenoblade Chronicles 2 now. I can relate. I'm a university student who doesn't exactly have the leisure time to go through even a 12-hour game quickly enough. That... Excuse me. That said, I've sometimes found that it pays to wait to get around to games. Playing a game six months or more after a game has been released can mean you can enjoy a game without being too influenced by hype or hate for for a game, not feel pressured to finish it as soon as humanly possible, and sometimes even find it much cheaper than initially was. On that note, my question is this. 
Outside of playing games for review purposes, do you also find it better at times to get a game get to a game later than sooner, or do you prefer to play a game while it's still relevant and popular? And I found this was really interesting because as I mentioned even during this podcast, I'm excited for Soul Calibur 6 and I don't necessarily have the time to play it, but I still want to get it, mainly because I know friends that are also getting it and I kind of want to play with them. And I think that's when it really ties into there's two there's two cases where I feel like I need to get a game right away. One is when everybody's talking about it. I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to have any spoilers. I need to beat this right away uh, as much as possible so I don't have to dodge spoilers and enjoy the game as is. And two is when other friends are playing it. I'm like, well, no, I want to try it out and play. You know, you get that sort of social influence and it doesn't it. Even the saying that, like, I got God of War right away because of that, but I've stayed spoiler-free this entire time, and I still have not beaten it. <laughs> I have not played it in months <laughs> because of everything else. Um, same with Spider-Man. I know there's some that has a pretty good story. I got that. I haven't played it since that opening mission when I, when I tried out my PS4 Pro. So, yeah, I, I'm actually... He's not wrong. Like, I waited on um, Horizon Zero Dawn. And didn't get that right away. Um, I'd figured I'd just wait because there was no need for it. But then it came out with its complete edition where it came with a DLC and everything else and it was a lot cheaper. And guess what? I saved a lot of money and I still haven't played it. But hey, I don't feel bad about spending 60 bucks and being like, oh god, there's still <laughs> DLC I have to get. So I do think that if you don't have the time and if a game doesn't seem like it's going to become a rarity... Like, there's certain games that you look at and you're like, oh, boy, I know that one's going to be hard to find eventually, so I should probably get it right away. I usually just wait. I think it actually works out better. Yeah, I was just thinking, a lot of my favorite games ever, I probably didn't play when they first came out. But I'm thinking, like, Final Fantasy VII, I didn't play for a couple years after. Earthbound, I played, like, four years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's... There's a lot of the all-time greats, which I love, um, and I wasn't past that initial hype cycle. So I guess, um, like, counting yourself away from that is, in a way, setting your own expectations. Because mm. like, when, when you sort of slave over media and trailers for a game, you have a certain expectation in your mind for what it's going to be like. Um, whereas when you're going in blind, um, you're seeing everything for the first time, and like you're not being influenced by other social groups or anything like that. So yeah, there's definitely advantages to it, but yeah, as you, as you said just then, Derek, um, you're also outside of the social circle as well. Like sometimes when you're playing a game, you just want to be in that discussion with people. Um, it's very hard. To, like when when a game comes out and Twitter is full of people talking about it and Resetera and YouTube, and you just kind of want to be in that discussion mm-hmm. with them. Um, so yeah, it, it depends on the game. I think uh, some games I'm absolutely fine waiting for. But then there's other games that I have to play like straight away. Like if when Smash Ultimate comes out, like, I'm not waiting for that. I'm, no. I'm getting that as soon as I can. <laughs> yeah, when Smash Ultimate I, comes I out, playing it right away. That. When Kingdom Hearts Three comes out, playing it right away. Resident mm-hmm. Evil Two, playing it right away. <laughs> like there's certain exactly. games you just gotta get to uh, immediately. Hmm. Yeah, and then, then there's other games I'm fine waiting for. Like I've still not played God of War. Um, I want to play it. But I'll get it eventually, and because I'm waiting, it means it's going to be super cheap. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, whenever whenever I want to play it, then I'll go buy it, but I don't really have the time at the moment. And I know it's I know it's a great game, people people always go on about it, and I do want to play it, but it's just going to have to wait for a while. Yeah, it's just how it has, it has to be. Like, there's, I'm just, I, 
they have the games from this year being you know God of War, Spider Man, there's the big ones. Um, and then last year, I still again Horizon, Near Automata, uh, name a game. Like I have a huge backlog, but it's, it's something you got to balance. Like it's it's one of those things. Like eventually, I'm gonna play this. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. uh, hopefully, maybe you never know. Yeah, <laughs> um, we're not really out of the social circle either because Ash is playing through Xenoblade Two um, as the. Uh, as Gentleman Gamers pointed out, mm-hmm. and we're actually discussing the game with him as it comes along. Like every single time we have a discussion, um, before we start, we, we recap where Ash is in that game, <laughs> and um, I guess we, we we don't spoil anything for him, but we just sort of we just figure out where he is and talk a bit about his progress. Mm-hmm. So that's been kind of interesting too. Yeah. So I guess even if you are late to it, you're not you're not late to the discussion. And it kind of worked out for him because it might not have been cheaper, but there's a lot of upgrades that game that happened that and updates that just made it a better experience so he's almost getting oh, yeah, the better the best experience because of that <laughs> yeah yeah there's some very simple things in that game that we didn't have on our playthroughs i'm, I'm very jealous of ash <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's for sure but yeah we'll see we'll see what happens it's just a matter of like there's so many games that comes out and you have to pick and choose and sometimes it's really hard to pick and choose like we were looking uh, at the release schedule for the coming year, and January is is freaking insane because it's as, packed. Yeah, it's it has New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. It has um, Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story remake. Uh, by the way, both of those games are coming out on the same day, along with Tales of Vesperia remastered on the same day. So that's lovely. <laughs> there, of course, <laughs> there's uh, no more heroes. Uh, I think three days after that. Uh, then a few days after that is when Resident Evil 2 comes out, and then a few days after that is when Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out. So it's like, I'm not going to have time to play all of these. <laughs> uh-huh. I love that Suda51 delayed No More Heroes so that it wasn't, like, clashing with Smash. And, like, putting it in January is no better. <laughs> if anything, it's worse. <laughs> yeah, not really. Like, it's, it's amazing how much January... January used to become a, be a dead zone, and that's not the case anymore. There is so many games that come mm. out in January. Because I think they realize, like, well, all these kids got money for Christmas, or puts things back so they can buy games now. Uh-huh. Oh, that sort of idea. So, it's yeah. nuts. Although, the craziest thing is even though Suda uh, backed away from... Uh, Ultimate, we found out that Katamari Damacy Rerolled comes out on the same day as Smash, and oh boy, is that a Very bad brave. decision. <laughs> yep. <sighs> That's another um, Bandai Namco game, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> so Namco are making some very poor decisions with their Switch lineup recently. Yeah, they re- they need to work on their release dates, let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> I loved Katamari Damacy, but I'm sorry, Smash is the bigger priority. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Yep. Well, what's your uh, topic for this week, John? So, my topic comes from Sir Dan Funs Things, who says, How's it going, GX crew? One of my favorite parts of game development is getting to see all the unused beta concepts that didn't make it past the cutting room floor, especially with elements like character design, where it can be fun to track certain design um, motifs through often wildly differing concepts. With that said, what are some of your favorite unused beta elements in gaming? Keep up all the awesome work. P.S. Can John confirm if you'll be attending MCM London next weekend? Would be awesome to have a mini meetup for British Game Explained fans. So, um, to answer the second part of the question, I am at MCM. Um, I'm attending on Friday, though. Uh, I do have some friends going on Saturday, so I might tag along with them, seeming as my press pass is for the entire three-day weekend. So I am there. I am definitely there Friday, and I might be there Saturday. We'll see how that goes. 
So yeah, hopefully I can meet up with some of you guys. That'd be cool. But to actually address the question, um, my favourite beta is probably Sonic Extreme. It's um, mm. it's a game that I don't even know if it looks like a good game. It, is, it looks very questionable, actually. Mm. But it's just fascinating to see all this stuff about Sonic Extreme. Um, and it's so weird that the Saturn didn't have a proper 3D Sonic game. And I used to run around Sonic Jam's uh, 3D hub world, and I just found that to be the most satis- like satisfying thing. Because I love um, that classic Sonic design in 3D that they did in Sonic Jam. And it felt like it could be a really fun game. Um, and then you look at Sonic Extreme, and they had basically this fish lens kind of perspective on the world. And it's not something anyone's really ever tried again. Uh, I don't know if it even worked. Like, I, I can't really imagine playing like that. But it's just fascinating to see this other take on 3D Sonic. And uh, if they ever did like try and like revitalize that, I would be all in. I really want to play Sonic <laughs> Extreme. I, yeah, Sonic Extreme is a weird one because that fisheye lens, at first you're like, oh, that looks cool. That looks like it could have had potential. But then you think about it, I was like, really? I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. if this would have worked as well as we think, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I don't know if it'd be good for perspective or not. Like, would it be weird? Like, can you actually judge where you are if it's fisheye lens yeah. or does it make it harder? I imagine harder. <laughs> I imagine too. Like I, good luck platforming. And if you notice, I don't. I don't remember being there being a lot of platforming in that extreme demo. So no, I don't believe I, so. I don't know. It just feels like it didn't seem extremely that fast. It didn't seem that platform heavy. It just seemed like we don't know what to do with 3D Sonics. So we're gonna try this. <laughs> but people mm-hmm. also look at like, well, Sonic Adventure didn't turn out the best. So maybe this concept would have worked. And eh, maybe there's a reason it was scrapped. Maybe. Yeah, it feels like there's been there's a uh, they went through a lot with transitioning transitioning Sonic to 3D and um, I when you when you play Sonic Jam's Hub World it, it actually feels like they could have made a good game out of that. It's quite a fun little sandbox and uh, Sonic feels pretty good to control in there. And uh, I, I do notice at some points in Sonic Adventure they swap out his um, his Dreamcast model with his Saturn one. But there's one mm. point where you're um, in Sky Chase where the camera zooms out really far, and all of a sudden Sonic's just, Sonic just has his Saturn model. <laughs> so <laughs> it makes me wonder, like, did that start off as a Saturn game, or is that just, like, some kind of limitation? Hmm. I'm not sure on that one. I could almost see it as a sort of Saturn game, and then the Saturn kind of bombed, and they were like, all right, well, let's just move it to the Dreamcast. Yeah, Shenmue did that too. There's, like, um, there's a demo out there of Shenmue running on Saturn hardware. Um, so that, that was one of their projects they shifted over. So I do wonder how many Saturn games were originally... Sorry, how many Dreamcast games were originally Saturn games? Probably a fair amount. I, I would not be mm. surprised about that. Um, probably my favorite beta designs, though, it's just because it's such a weird, wacky idea, is actually The Legend of Zelda. Um, seeing them, like, maybe play around the idea of this being a futuristic game where you see, like, Space Princess Zelda, which is so weird to see, and it was going to be more tech-based rather than magic-based. And, like, you're so used nowadays to that, that those fantasy elements of uh, of Zelda where people were like, a train? No, I don't want trains. We don't want technology in <laughs> Zelda. That's weird. <laughs> Meanwhile, mm-hmm. I'm like, I saw the alien uh, concepts, like uh, alien invasion uh, ideas for Breath of the Wild. I'm like, I want that. That looks fun. <laughs> yeah. Breath of the Wild really brought back those like original concepts in a lot of ways. Like when, when we look at that GDC talk, where they had like Link with an electric guitar and uh, <laughs> and a motorcycle, and then the motorcycle made it into the game. I actually, know. So that's, 
<laughs> so weird. Um, and there's also a demo. They recreated Breath of the Wild's physics engine um, under the original 8-bit Zelda style. Like there's a little demo where they're walking around this Zelda Zelda One style world, but things like fires and wind actually worked in that demo. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool to see them experimenting with Zelda games. And obviously, Zelda's also famous for different art styles too. Um, that that um, that Ocarina of Time style GameCube tech demo comes to mind. And that kind of set the expectations for what Wind Waker wouldn't be. Like people really <laughs> wanted that kind of game. Yeah. Um, it was, it, and it, I wonder if anybody's gone back and watched that. Because I remember as a kid watching that Space World demo and thinking, oh my god, this looks amazing. And then I've gone, I've since gone back and watched it maybe six six months, maybe a year ago. I forget how long ago. But not that far, not, not that long ago. And the animations are so stiff. And the, the, the character designs <laughs> look so bad. Like they just do not stand the test of time. And meanwhile, Wind Waker <laughs> looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. But what were people thinking back in the day? Like, that Wind Waker looks so good. It's like it's still one of the best looking games ever. Mm-hmm. And then Twilight Princess, in comparison, looks like butt. Like, <laughs> it just it does. It looks so bad compared to Wind Waker. Um, uh, yeah. As a whole, I think Twilight Princess is one of the most disappointing Zelda games. Like, I I had fun with it, but everything from its style to its ambition was just so flat to me. Mm-hmm. And then I remember those reviews came out. It's like ten out of ten, best game, better than Twilight, better than Ocarina of Time. Well, it's because it is Ocarina of Time. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was kind of that was a staple for a long time. Like every Zelda was the best Zelda since Ocarina of Time. Like Skyward Sword was the best Zelda since Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. It's a thing we've, people have been saying for a long time now. <laughs> exactly. And then comes the the uh, backlash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of other. Uh, Beta designs. I mean, Odyssey, of course, had a lot of interesting beta uh, elements and things that didn't make it into the game and uh, ideas like that. And yeah, like like an actual Bowser. It's like an official one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just crazy crap like that. Uh, of course, Kingdom Hearts, everybody knows the original design of Sora was more like a lion and he had like a chainsaw sword. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's really is entertaining to see just like the original ideas of some of these characters and how they eventually morphed into what you know mm. yeah there, there, there are some cases where the beta can look more impressive than the final product yeah like sonic 06 for instance um all the demos and pre-release material for that game looked so promising um i remember watching a demo where they were like showing off like a time of day shift and i think the game actually ran at 60 fps then to like a, a proper locked frame rate mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to the finished product, and somehow it feels like they've kind of like backpedaled on on the build. And I don't know how they how they get to that. I think they did that because an earlier build, like that, was not as graphically impressive. That was the most stable version. Uh, <laughs> the other versions were, like, were just not as stable, so that's why they had to go to a previous one that didn't look as good. But hey, it doesn't crash. It's a lot of other bugs, but hey, it doesn't crash. <laughs> Better than nothing. Yep. <laughs> God. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of fun things. I haven't looked at... I don't look a lot at the beta aspects because uh, a lot of times it just makes me pine for what could have been. But there's you know, there's other things. Like one of the... Just go back to Mega Man 8 quick. I've never actually beat the game uh, until this point. Like I always just... Because when I first played it, I rented it as a kid. And... Uh, stopped when I got to Wily Castle 1 in that stupid board section. But I finally did beat it. And one of the cool things that they did with this one during the credits is that they showed the original uh, sent-in artwork 
uh, for the kids who were submitting Robot Masters. And it was really cool to see how they took this original, these original designs from these kids and eventually tweaked it into the Robot Masters we knew from the game. And I, I like mm. that's a really cool like idea where you can see the base elements and we're like, OK, we're going to punch this up a bit. We're going to have them fill this sort of role and do that sort of thing. Like I really that was a really cool aspect of it. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, you don't you don't often see like them acknowledge those kind of elements within the actual game itself. So yeah, that's that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's all the major ones that come to my mind. We could be here for hours talking about all the little <laughs> beta bits. <laughs> but yeah, I think that takes care of episode 120 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As uh, always, you guys can support us on Patreon for just one dollar a month. Get these podcasts usually three days early, sometimes two. <laughs> But definitely early, um, as well as offer up topics like the ones we had here and access to our VIP room in our Discord. So thank you guys so much for watching and uh, we'll catch you next week for episode 121. And I said watching, but I mean listening. (laughs) Anyway, guys, till next time. Bye.